excited today to be joined on the flagship podcast interview by legendary and national high school coach of the year. What a way to end uh, his his coaching time at Austin Westlake High School on a 40-game winning streak, three straight state titles. The one and only Todd Dodge. Oh, and yes, he uh, played quarterback at the University of Texas and is the pride of Port Arthur. TD, how you doing? Chip, I'm doing great. That I mean, last thing, the last thing you said there, the 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 pride of Port Arthur, I don't know that, but that's maybe the thing I'm most proud of. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, we can start there. I mean, we got so much to get into today, and I'm excited to talk about all of it. But you know, so many um, you know, big time achievers have come from Port Arthur from Janice Joplin to Jimmy Johnson. Uh, what is it about Port Arthur TD that that you know kind of creates that that hunger for success and ability to achieve? Well, what it was for me is just a blue collar work ethic that is down there. I mean, when you grow up, you know, everybody pretty much uh, is in the same boat. Your your parents are. Uh, you know, work for the, uh, for the refineries or a whole lot of them do, you know, so there's, you know, down, down in Port Arthur, down in Southeast Texas, uh, there's a tremendous love for the, uh, the great game of high school football. Um, it is a tough, hard nosed area. Uh, you learn how to, uh, if you're ever successful at anything, uh, you learn how to not get full of yourself. And if you ever have adversity, you know how to pick yourself up. And so I think that's, some of the things that in the time that I was growing up down there is that uh, those are the things that I learned and took from there. I know you mentioned um, your mom being 83 and mm -hmm. she still knows who you are. And that's part of the reason you wanted to, to stop coaching right now, to spend mm -hmm. time with her, to spend time with grandchildren. Tell us about your parents and, yep. and how they shaped your work ethic and, and drive uh, to succeed? Well, for me, um, my father was a Methodist minister. Okay. And my mother was a school teacher. Okay. So uh, if, you know, people who understand, um, you know, the Methodist church in the state of Texas is the, the norm is for the preacher and his family to move about every four years. And so probably the best thing that my, that my father's uh, uh, profession did for me personally was move me about every four years of my life and make me have to start over and make me have to face adversity when it came to, um, I was never that kid who was being handed anything. I was always the new kid coming in. Um, my mother, um, my, my mother's father, my grandfather, uh, he, he was the athlete he's the one that he played quarterback, and catcher on the from 1924 through 1926 at the University of Missouri, and he was when when I was growing up, you know he he was the um, you know he was kind of my my mentor in my family. My mother was my biggest fan, you know she was at everything. And uh, but when we got to Port Arthur, uh, we moved. My parents moved when I was a sophomore, and I stayed. And uh, I had family. I had one of my teammates' parents took out guardianship on me, 
and I stayed in Port Arthur for my last two years. So I lived in Port Arthur for a total of eight years. And that was by far the, the longest, uh, the longest place that I'd ever lived. Was that a tough decision? Um, obviously your parents move and where did they go when you they went stayed? to Longview? They okay, went to so Longview. They're, they're, they're up there in Longview. Yep. You're in Port Arthur. Was that a tough decision? And, and what was it? I mean, obviously you went on to set records, uh, you know, passing the football at, at Port Arthur Jefferson, but tell us about that decision. Well, it, it was a very tough decision, but it's one that had been talked about because we knew that that could happen. Uh, I had started uh, for TJ, uh, my high school team, as a sophomore. And so right after my sophomore year, my dad got transferred. Well, we talked about if that happens, we would we would we would kind of look into maybe somehow me staying because in those days there was nothing called, there was a thing, there is a thing called uh, previous athletic participation. Now any coach administrator that's in the business knows the PAPF, you know, well, in those days there wasn't one. If you left, if you, if you moved in somewhere from, for whatever reason, you had to sit out an entire year of varsity eligibility in all sports. So that's basically what I was facing uh, going in. So uh, we had, you know, I stayed in Port Arthur and, you know, people ask me all the time, well, when did you decide you wanted to be a coach? I said, well, it was in that next two years because my head football coach, Ronnie Thompson, was like a father to me and my teammates like Richard Rice and Brent Duhon, and Clay Sutherland and Steve Durso and Mark Hanna and, oh gosh, uh, Roman Lavage, Gary Jefferson, Robert Smothers, I could go on and on. And um, it didn't matter what the color of your skin was in our locker room. You know, this was the, the late 70s. Our football team during that time kind of uh, wakened up an old refinery town to, to let them know that, that high school football was back. That's, I mean, that's powerful. It's like, remember the Titans um, yeah. kind of stuff. And, you, you know, you became the first Texas high school player to throw for more than 3,000 yards in a season. Um, how did that, you know, tell us about how that team did, how those final two years went for you? Well, Ronnie Thompson, uh, to, still to this day to me, is the greatest combination quarterback, wide receiver coach that I've ever come across. He had such a – and that was back in 1978, 80. He had a, a, a way of coaching that unit uh, to spend a whole lot of time together. And so we were, you know, we were the beneficiaries of, uh, of a man who was, uh, had, had a great vision and was way ahead of his time in throwing the football. I mean, we were throwing the football anywhere between 30 and 35 times a game when everybody else was running the wishbone and the split back beer. Um, I personally – you know, I always could throw the ball a little bit. He saw something in me. He molded it into me to refine it within his offense. But man, we had we had some great players. Uh, Brent Duhon, who there's nobody in the state of Texas right now who deserves to go into the Texas High School Football Hall of Fame more than Brent Duhon does. And I hope that that, that will happen. And he was the, the he was the original great wide receiver. I mean, he caught 93 balls, uh, Chip, in 1980. Wow. Uh, I mean, that's just, I mean, that's, that's a ton right now, but for back then, you know, Robert Smothers. Um, so we had some, we had some really good players and, and, 
you know, it was getting ahead of myself a little bit. I was telling our our team as we as we were in halftime, you know, I, I was on a team that forty years ago, forty one years ago, that had we won the state championship, we may still be uh, spoken of as one of the greatest high school football teams to ever play because we were really really talented and we were really productive until one one half of football and we got beat in the state championship and that was one that uh you know that so we're just remembered as another team that got beat in state championship you know got upset uh, this year's team you know faced that going into halftime we could be remembered as a th- team that three peat and you know and all that but i said and i told him i said you got to you got to understand how the football world is very fickle they'll, they'll remember you as one of the greatest of all time and and if you have one bad half and you lose a ball game, you're just going to be remembered as a good team. <laughs> so uh, our kids answered the bell. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the win over Denton Geyer. Um, and and we'll get into that. We'll get into uh, the incredible 40-game winning streak at Westlake. But I want to stay, since we're kind of going chronological, mm-hmm. you get recruited. And obviously you you pick Texas. What mm-hmm. – what was the recruiting process like for you as the the first, you know, 3000 plus yard passer in Texas high school history? Yeah, I um it was really interesting. I tell Cade, I tell Sam through the years here how different recruiting is. You know, uh recruiting back in my day and I was, you know, what they would call a four or five star guy nowadays. I was one of the you know, the 25 or 30 blue chip players in the state of Texas. You know, that was a big deal. If you if you were a blue chip, you know, you were a big deal or whatever. And uh, so my recruit, but, you know, I got the letters and all that kind of stuff and I got phone calls, but there was no going to junior days. There was no going to a camp the summer before. There was no going, there was no committing early. You know, um, we had four players off of my high school football team that signed with the University of Texas. Uh, myself, Brent Duhon, Robert Smothers, and rest in peace, Don Holloway. Uh, and all four of us signed on signing day. Well, we all we all four went on the, the five recruiting visits that we were going to go on in the month of January and early February before signing day. We do it to nothing. We got letters. You know, I, I my, my visits were Ohio State, Florida State, Missouri, Texas A&M, and Texas. And when it and when it came down to it, I was one of those kids in the state of Texas at the time uh, that if the University of Texas came calling, then that's where I was going. I mean, there there was no doubt. Uh, um, I lived in the state of Texas. I I hoped that I would live in the state of Texas my entire life. So th- the Longhorns where I was going, uh, no matter who else recruited me. Fred Akers is the coach, and. You go 19 and four as a starter at Texas, but you were in quarterback battles, mm. you know, kind of the whole time. I mean, you know, Robert Brewer and Rick McIver and mm. um, uh, Marshall and and Brett Stafford. What you know, the quarterback job. You and I've talked about this over the years as Sam, you know, came through and now. Um, you know, this past year with Hudson Carden, Casey Thompson. I mean, being the quarterback at Texas is way more than just being the quarterback at Texas. How did that whole um, time shape you? 
there was uh, that five-year window at the University of Texas. There was nothing that I could have done in a classroom. There's nothing that I could have done with a degree in hand uh, more than playing quarterback at the University of Texas for preparing me for the profession I've gone into for the last 36 years. Okay, So when you play quarterback at the University of Texas, um, whether you like it or not, most of the time you are going to be one of the most loved people in the city of Austin, or you're going to be the, I don't know. I don't know. I say the word hate the more, the most disliked persons in the, in the city of Austin because of the rabid fa fan base that we have here. Um, you, you are going to be one that when you're successful, uh, you can't hardly buy your own dinner, you know, in town. And if you, and if you, if your team loses, um, it's not very fun being out in the public, you know, um, you can't hide from it. And I don't care whether it's, you know, the, the mid eighties, early eighties, or if it's, you know, 2022. Uh, but I'll tell you this, um, all of the, you know, all of the men that I know, all of the guys that I know that came through as a quarterback are great leaders. They were, um, but they became even better because of the experience that they had uh, through being at, at the University of Texas and playing quarterback there. And, you know, when you and I've talked about this chip many times and I tell our players, any quarterback that I've ever coached, that they're going through adversity, I tell them there's, there's absolutely nothing that you're going to go through that I haven't. So I do understand what you're going through. I understand the successes that you're going to have and I understand the failures. I said, but <clears throat> I do, I really do know um, what it feels like to be booed by 80,000 people when uh, you walk on the field to begin the, to begin the season, this, this, this is a first game of the season and to be booed by 80,000 people. The minute you step your foot, when they, when they go and the starting quarterback for the Longhorns is Todd Dodge, you know, boo, you know, so that, you know, you know, that, that, you know, you either better get thick skinned or you better, or you're probably just going to crumble. The flip side of that, I also, you know, in, you know, that, that early part of that season, um, I also set some, some, uh, some records for our university. And I got a standing ovation by the same 80,000 that booed me at the beginning of the game. So I, I look at, and I'm not, I'm saying all that not to, to, uh, uh, complain about my past. Really, I'm thankful that it happened to me because it prepared me to be a coach. Yeah, I mean, you're you clearly have an unbelievable offensive mind, but you have a toughness um, that is going to come through to your players about adversity and being able to handle that. Mm -hmm. That I mean, I I don't know how. Um, I mean, I kind of look at Casey Thompson, what he just went through, um, Garrett Gilbert. At Texas, you know, Garrett left, had success at SMU, went on to, you know, an NFL career. But it's so it's so intense at Texas. And I grew up going to the University of Michigan games. My parents were season ticket holders. You know, I watched Jim Harbaugh and Tom Brady mm -hmm. um, as as players at Michigan. Brady went through a quarterback controversy with Drew Henson, almost left. I mean, there's nothing like the quarterback position, TD, and you've, you know, succeeded at, at that level. You've you've coached guys to great success at that level. What do you love about that quarterback position? Well, it's just one that there you have a lot of responsibility. 
you know, and I'm, I'm one of those people that, that kind of wants it on me. Um, you know, the, the quarterback room, the, um, is one that a lot of people that don't really know football would think, well, I bet that's, I bet that's a bunch of guys that, uh, that are backbiting and, you know, and, and don't, don't support each other and so forth and so on. And it really is just the opposite. I think as I found out as a player and as a coach, the quarterback room is usually one of the tightest ones, one of the most close knit guys that keep in touch through the years, you know, uh, more than anybody else. And, and I've found that to be true. And I think that my players that, that, that I've coached have found that to be true because you are so unique in, in the way that people treat you. Um, you are, uh, you are the guy on the team along with the head football coach that gets way too much credit when your team wins. I mean, you really do people that, you know, and, and, and they, they love football and everything, but they, they automatically, when your team wins, the quarterback is the darling of the, you know, of the, of the day. Well, he may not have really played that well. But his team won. You know, on the flip side of that, when the team loses, the head coach and the quarterback are probably going to get way more blame. And and they may not have coached that bad or played that bad in the game, but they're going to get – and that's just the way it is. And so that that group of men, quarterbacks, there's kind of a – there's kind of an unwritten fraternity in our country uh, that you kind of speak a language that no one else understands. You really, they really don't understand. They can't understand until you've been through that. And that's to me, what makes it so special. What um, I want to, you triggered something in my mind just a second ago, that state championship game that you played in, in high school, mm -hmm. who did you play against? Odessa Permian. Odessa Permian. Mojo. Yep. What do you remember about that game? I remember that uh, it was the coldest game uh, that I've ever played in. We would play at Texas State. So I remember that part of it. It was uh, uh, on December the 17th, 1980. <clears throat> it was uh, it was probably about 15 degrees in Dallas. Um, of course, that the old Texas Stadium, you know, had the hole in the roof and, and, uh, and it was really cold. So um, and we we got we were highly favored in the game against Permian. Uh, and we were having our way with them the first half. We were winning 19 to six at halftime, and then the old mojo got us the second half. They started coming back and and so forth and so on. Um, and so you know we got beat in the game. Uh, and and as I mentioned earlier, you know it, it that was one that you know of all the games we won is the one that you can't get out of your mind for many years. And for me personally, just I mean as a competitor, it took. You know, um, I was coaching South Lake Carroll in uh, 2000, uh, 2000 through 2006. In 2006, my last game there, we faced Odessa Permian in the uh, in the third round of playoffs. And my son Riley was our quarterback, and we played him in another very cold game in uh, Jones Stadium in Lubbock. And uh, I mean, we we just I mean, we beat them forty nine to seven, and uh, so. It, it's kind of stupid, but it's kind of my personal way. Some 30 on oh, 30 years later that I was able to get some sort of revenge on the, on the old mojo. But, uh, they, uh, really, when you think back about it, but I've, I've got so much respect, uh, for that program and that tradition there. I've, I guess I've been a fan of theirs silently through the years because of, um, you know, of, of, who they are, what they've done, and the pride that they have. I mean, I, hell, I played against them 
you know, and they beat us at one of those state championships that they got hanging and it was against my team. And, uh, that was way before they even thought about making a movie about them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. We'll take a quick break with Todd Dodge, the, uh, the legend as he steps away from Austin Westlake on a 40 game winning streak, three straight state titles. We'll get into it, uh, right here on the flagship podcast interview. TD, um, you know, you said you decided in high school you wanted to be a coach. Mm -hmm. And so you leave Texas with your 19 and four record as a starting quarterback. And you, you, you know, start off in your, your coaching uh, career. And what did you know you wanted to be a part of your, you know, your coaching identity mm -hmm. well i had i had an opportunity um to stay at texas in ga you know right after i got through um coach uh acres was leaving and coach mcwilliams was coming back to the university of texas and i had an opportunity however i got married lisbon i got married you know right after we got uh, after, right before my career was over with and so i was married and um so I needed to make a little bit more money than just being a GA at the time. And so I took a job as a quarterback coach at, uh, at Rockwall high school up in the Dallas Fort Worth area. And, um, we, um, the very first year chip that, it, that I coached, we, we went all the way to the state championship game, got beat in the finals. And I thought, man, this stuff's kind of easy. Golly, this is going to be easy. And then it was like 15 years later before I ever made it back to a state championship, uh, as a head coach. And so, um, but, you know, I worked there one year. I worked at uh, uh, probably it, it, as a young coach, the best thing that ever happened to me was to go coach for Ron Poe in McKinney, Texas. And um, you know they're important to a town when they've got a stadium named after them. There's a stadium called Ron Poe Stadium. And uh, so I worked for him at McKinney High School when it was one high school. And uh, that's the best thing that happened to me as a young coach. Then coached in college for two years at North Texas, quarterback coach. And then, you know, and then, it, you know, then the head coaching stuff started. And, um, you know, I, I tell people all the time, I said, you know, like with Riley right now, Riley is he's he's been at South Lake Carroll for four years and he is 54 and five after four years. I was about, uh, oh, after four, after four years, my two, my first two head coaching jobs never made the playoffs, uh, was, <laughs> I may have won, uh, you know, 12 games all, all together, 15 games all together. I mean, it was not, it, it was, it was a tough go at, at the first part of it. Well, you, your time at South Lake Carroll is, is legendary. Um, you, you know, what were you, 15, 59 and one? 79 and one. Yeah. 79 and one with four state titles in a five season span. And your only loss was to Katie. Yep. In the state championship game. And it was like a one point game. Yep. In 2003. Right. I mean, that's an unbelievable, that's an unbelievable time. And I bet you're going to tell me the only game you remember is the loss <laughs> to Katie. Well, no, that's not the only one, but it, 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 for a long time, if you're not careful, if you're not careful as a coach, you got, you know, you got to protect yourself from yourself sometime and, and the things that go through your mind. Cause for a long time, that is the one that you, you know, 
you think about. And uh, but I will say this: that that loss caused us to win a whole lot more games in the future because it made us better. Um, we went on after that game. You know, we went on another forty-eight game winning streak. So we ended our time with a three-peat there at South Lake Carroll on a forty-eight game winning streak. Uh, and that game really did. Uh, we were pretty good at, at the time, and it made us even better. I heard you say after the game, after you beat Denton Geyer to win the state championship, you thanked your punt return guy, your return mm-hmm. specialist. Yep. And said, I've lost a state title game because we didn't, you know, hang on to the punt returns. Were you referring to the Katie game? No, I was referring to the state championship game my senior year in high school. Okay. Yeah. And uh, actually, uh, in my football life, I've, I've got, you know, two rings that probably that stayed off of my hand and the, and all the teammates is the, uh, the Cotton Bowl 1984 when we got beat by Georgia. And it was a, a fumble punt that, that kind of led that. And not that it was the sole deal, I can promise you that. But and then in my in when I was a high school senior, uh, the state championship that was the, that's the what ignited the team the uh, Odessa Permian to beat us was a was a kind of a muff punt, and uh, so I've always had a philosophy on punt returns uh, is just possess the football when they punt it to us let's catch it let's make great decisions now we've had some outstanding punt returners in our time. But I know this sounds crazy, but as a as a head football coach, I could care less if we ever have one yard of return. I want the ball possessed. I want when the ball bounces on the ground. I want us to make sure that we make good decisions on getting away from it. And so Hunter Luke is in Hunter Luke is one for for the uh, football fans in Austin. Keep your keep your ears and and eyes open for uh, he he will be a senior next year slot uh, slot receiver. Uh, but he's going to be fabulous as a receiver. Uh, but he is a really good kick kick returner and uh, punt returner. Well, you've had um, great quarterbacks, and you've helped them become great quarterbacks, including your son, Riley Dodge. So what was that like, coaching Riley mm-hmm. and winning at South Lake Carroll? The absolute thrill of my career. Um, when, you know, Riley um, – lived in field houses with me, was on the sideline with me all the way through. Uh, when he entered the ninth grade uh, at South Lake Carroll, he became mine as far as a, um, as far as a player. Uh, I was the quarterback coach and he was a quarterback. So uh, not only had I coached him in the front yard all those years before, but now he was, he was in my room and um, Riley was, you know, in, in South Lake, we moved there when he was in fourth grade. And by the time he got to ninth grade, there was no doubt that he was the quarterback of that class. And so we didn't have to go through any of that, you know, the jealousies of playing the coach's kid and all that. He, he was, he was established. Uh, but we did try to, we tried to uh, speed up um, his, uh, his learning curve. So we played him on the JV as a freshman, him and Trey Newton both played up. And then they, they practiced with the varsity every day. Never played in a varsity game, but practiced with the varsity and got the ever-living you-know-what beat out of them on the scout team. So the one thing about Riley, no one could ever say that he didn't that he got preferential treatment at South Lake. He got, he got hammered his whole freshman year 
in, in practice every day. And then as a sophomore, he played on our state championship team. He was a, he was a backup quarterback. Uh, and w w I wanted to get him some playing time as a sophomore because I knew he would be our guy his junior and senior year, kind of like what I did with, with Cade Klubnick, you know, when Cade was sophomore. I played Riley, though. Riley played a lot of wide receiver. He had probably 40 catches for about 600 yards, you know, as a sophomore uh, and doing things. And I tell people all the time, Greg McElroy and Riley Dodge together um, in the 2005 season when Greg was a senior and Riley was a sophomore, had we had all of those stats gone to one person, uh, that still would be a state record for 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 every quarterback in 6A football. I mean, they they threw for, I mean, almost 6,000 yards together. They threw for 72 touchdowns together. I mean, it was unbelievable the production that came out that year. Um, and then, of course, to win it his junior year, uh, to win the state championship with my son. Um, of all the state championships, all seven of them, that's, that's the one that means the most to me because I, I was able to do it with my own son and uh, my own family. And now you mentioned it, Riley's what fifty four and five <laughs> to start crazy? his yeah. start his time uh, at, at South Lake Carroll as the head coach, and you played Riley for yeah. the twenty twenty state championship. Uh, Quinn Ewers at quarterback for South Lake Carroll, Kate Klubnick quarterback at West Lake. There I am blowing up the quarterbacks when your your defense was completely yeah. off the charts under Coach Salazar, who you've helped make sure uh, takes over the Westlake program. Uh, but what was that like, facing Riley for a state championship? To be honest with you, um, it was it, – it was, I feel and I think that Riley feels like when we look at it 10 or 15 years from now and it's still the first time that a father and son have ever met in a state championship game, it will – that's the thing it meant most to our family is is that that we were the first to to get something done together. Um, you know, we were supposed to play them, you know, in a kickoff classic kind of before the season. So right. that was that was one that really Riley and I didn't really look forward to because we were going to have to change so much uh, as far as our verbiage and signals and all that kind of stuff. Well, that didn't happen because of COVID, and then. You know, we just told each other, you know, said, hey, if we end up playing this year, we both dang sure have earned it. And we never really thought that it would be happening because we always thought that my team would go Division Two and his team would go Division One, and we didn't have – so we talked ball all year long. Chip, if you could be a fly on the wall and listen to the conversations that we had about uh, how he, how he's attacking this coverage and how I'm attacking this coverage, what kind of formations do you like against this? What do you like? What I mean, we're just – I mean, we pour it out to each other as far. I mean, we bounce ideas. We we bitch and moan about uh, our personnel sometimes. You know, man, we're not. You know, this guy's this, this guy's that, whatever. You know, so and then all of a sudden we we look up and we're we're playing all the way to, and we get gosh dang, we're one game away. You know, and then we go ah, these kind of can't. Be. We're not both going to beat North Shore and Duncanville on the same day, and sure enough. They were ranked number two and number three in the nation on the, on the day that that Westlake beat North Shore and South Lake Carroll beat Duncanville. And so now, lo and behold, we're playing each other. And uh, to be honest, th that whole deal, the lead up to it was all fun. 
I didn't get a whole lot of gratitude out of beating my son's team. I can promise you that. And um, I was glad when it was over with. I was so proud of my team. And and it didn't take away the the joy that I had for the Westlake Chaparrales. But it really wasn't that much fun, uh, you know, celebrating against your, your own son's team. Well, and that turned out to be Quinn Ewer's last game. Yep. Um, he ends up graduating early, going to Ohio State. And, and now, of course, he's transferred to Texas. We haven't seen him play football right. since that state championship game uh, in 2020. But you obviously, you know, have followed his career and, and saw him up close. You had the game plan for him. What, what stands out to you about Quinn Ewers? I just extremely special arm talent. I mean, if you ever – you know, when you're when you're dealing with quarterbacks and and you're standing close to them as they throw just routes versus air or one on one or seven on seven. Um, if you've been around it long enough, it doesn't take you long to figure out that's special when it comes out of their hand. Um, you know, he has a very very strong arm, but you know, one of the things that people don't realize in in um, throwing a football. It's not always just how, you know, strong your arm is. It's a lot of a lot of times, you know, he has great hand talent too. <laughs> what, I, what I mean by that, I mean it, that that ball spins out of his hand because he he can really he can really flick that thing off of his index finger. Uh, he can throw the ball at different arm angles, um, but anticipation, you know, you, you know, probably the guy that I would. You know, the times that I've been around Quinn, again, Riley coached him. Um, I've only been around him in camp settings and stuff like that, obviously, and, and got prepared to play against him. But his 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 arm uh, and his throwing motion and his ability probably reminds me most of, of Rodgers, you know, there for, for Green Bay than anybody else. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's tall cotton. You – having played quarterback at Texas, I think this is important for, for you to say people here, Quinn Ewers highest rated quarterback recruit since Vince young and think, Oh, wow. He's going to come in and lead Texas immediately. Yeah. It's not easy. Vince young redshirted. Vince young also had some struggles in 2003 before he lit the world on fire in 04 and 05. It takes time. I mean, there's there's Trevor Lawrence and yeah. Caleb Williams, but you you tell us what you know fans need to be because Hudson Card is talented too. He's he's there. You know what what these quarterbacks are going to be going through in spring football and going into fall camp. Well, I mean, if if a if a true freshman, and that's really what what Quinn is. I mean, Quinn didn't play his senior year in high school. Uh, he really hasn't played any football since, you know, since that state championship game and about a year ago, about right now. Um, I, I believe that universities all across America, they get real fired up about incoming freshmen. They ought to, they ought to cool down a little bit. It is not in the best interest of your football team. If you're starting a true freshman, I can promise you that. I don't care how good he is. Yeah. And you've got the Trevor Lawrence of the world. You got the, Tua's of the world, you know, yeah, Caleb Williams came on and, you know, if, if ever, anybody really followed, you know, Oklahoma after the Texas game this year, Caleb Williams had his, his 
freshman moments too, you know. Uh, you know, I, I think I visited with you about this before, Chip, and I did some unexact research, but it's pretty close, you know, from the time that um, – from the time that Colt McCoy got hurt against Alabama in 2009 until Sam, you know, of course, Sam started, I think, eight, nine games as a true freshman because of injury. Um, there was something like, I, I'm, I'll be close. There's like 47 or 48 starts by a true freshman, not redshirt freshman. I'm talking about guys that just got on campus and, you know, people always start talking about what what happened between to the University of Texas between 2009 and all that. What it was so much inconsistency during that time. I said, well, look back. It's it's not in your best interest to start a true freshman at quarterback. That position, the speed of the game. When you go from freshman football to JV football and JV football to fresh, I mean, to varsity football, the speed of the game is unbelievable. Right? What I do with our quarter, what I did with Cade Klubnick when he was a, tr a freshman. I put him into what I call the blender for an entire spring. I made him get his ever just same thing I did with Riley when Riley was a freshman to get them ready because you have to put them in that. I don't think that you that in, at the college level, if if a freshman is going to end up starting, the the coaches can't afford to put them under the kind of blender that they need to be under to get caught up to the speed of the game. It's just it'll happen every once in a while, and and these guys believe me, they're they're so much more prepared as they come in as than they were twenty years ago, but but they have to. The thing about it is, unfortunately for the University of Texas, and unfortunately for other colleges across the nation, they have to because people are transferring. They're not waiting to they're not waiting to start as a a, a sophomore or start as a junior. You know, I look back on my career, I redshirted. Uh, I backed up and then I started my third year here. I was a red shirt sophomore and, and I was start quarterback and then, you know, blah, blah, you know, all that kind of stuff. But I mean, I, I didn't play a whole lot of football here until the third year I was here. And, um, so that's just my take on it is people should not, you know, uh, as, as, as coach Sarkeesian, what, what, what a fabulous quarterback guy he is. Uh, he'll figure it all out, but, I guarantee you, he probably wish he had somebody a little bit more experienced, you know. I mean, the thing about Texas fans right now, they may not be that fired up about Hudson Card or they might not have been that fired up about Casey. And I personally think they did fine. They just, you know, I mean, it, it is what it is. But Hudson Card is, is, a, is a very experienced quarterback right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's got starts. He's yeah. got He's got starts under his belt. He's yeah. got uh, – He's got game time under his belt. Um, well, and Coach uh, Sam Ellinger, obviously a special talent, um, and so excited for him to have this opportunity with the Colts. What, uh, you know, when I say the name Sam Ellinger, what comes to mind? That's love. I mean, I love him like he's one of my own, you know. I have a very special relationship with Sam uh, pride. Uh, I mean, I'll never feel uh, the same way I do about my own son, but there, I have some, I have some players that I've coached in my past that, that, that you, they feel like you get that same feeling uh, that they're, uh, they're sons to you first. Um, his, 
his toughness. I mean, I, don't, I, don't, I never will have to uh, here in Austin, Texas, uh, convince anybody of Sam Ellinger's toughness, his physical and his mental toughness. But um, if there's a, if there's ever anybody that can start as a freshman at, at the University of Texas or anywhere, it's going to take it takes that kind of physical toughness, that kind of mental toughness. Um, you know, you know, Sam and I have talked about this before about you know the tragedy of losing his father when he was in eighth grade, but um in in everything you do in life you try to make tragedies and 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 huge adversity into uh, something that's going to make you stronger and better and sam definitely did that because um <laughs> he, he i always told him i said there's nothing there's nothing more tragic that's going to already happen in your life you know you're you're 23 years old right now that's that's already happened so it's kind of like sam went through his time here it's like you know, when the bad times came, you can't put nothing on me that I hadn't already been through. And so he didn't, he, 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 he was not one of those people who was going to shrivel up. You know, he was going to guys going to stand up for his team and, and, uh, and I'm so proud for him. Now he loves the Colts. He absolutely loves everything about that organization. And he, he talks so highly uh, of uh, coach Wright and, and, and the, you know, all of the, the GMs and the owners. And so, uh, I'm really happy for him. Well, I got to ask you too about uh, Connor Robertson, um, who is headed to Texas on the offensive line uh, from West Lake. What? Uh, what? Tell us about Connor Robertson. It's funny you ask about Connor. He is. Uh, I've got a lot. You know, just 36 years of it, but you know, ones that that uh, um, there's a tremendous amount of respect that I have for him. Um, but I, I'm in a little bit of a um, texting thread with some of my old players, you know, old teammates, and most of them are offensive and defensive linemen. And they were asking me last night about about Connor, and uh, what uh, you know, what was he like? They liked him as a player. What was he like as a kid? And first of all, he's a great kid. He understands <clears throat> what we in Westlake we call the schizophrenic nature of football. We we would like you to have a split personality. We'd like for you to be a perfect gentleman off the field and take care of other people and. Uh, and then on the field, you, you got a nasty streak about you. And Connor Robertson is is the poster child for that. Um, he's six foot three. He weighs three hundred pounds. Uh, he is a really really good athlete. Uh, this is you know I have fun with my uh, offensive linemen. You know, so before the game it plays, I we do a little pat and go where the offensive lineman and me get down on one end of the field and I throw passes to him. And they love it. This may, it's probably the funnest thing that they have all week long. And they run fly routes and they run post routes and post corners. And I, I that dang Connor Robertson at 300 pounds, he runs down there and sticks his foot in the ground, catches the ball over his shoulder like he's a dang skilled athlete. So I'll leave that. They, he, he won't be catching any pass at Texas. But um, the thing that I like about him is he truly understands the difference between pain and injury. Uh, he is a guy that will play uncomfortable. Uh, he, he has had uh, uh, he he has had some very uncomfortable uh, games that he's played because of uh, pain, and he's played fabulous with pain. So he's a tough kid, a really tough kid. Uh, as you can probably tell right now, I'm pretty high on him. Uh, I'm as a Longhorn fan, as a Longhorn, as a former player for the Horns. Um, 
I am really, really fired up about him. He's the kind of guy that Texas needs to bring him back. That's man, that's a that's high praise coming from Todd Dodge. I'll tell you that. And TD, what about? I mean, is this it? Are you going to get back in the game uh, at some point? I mean, you're a young guy. What? Uh... Well, um, I appreciate that. Uh, I, um, you know, I'm. I want to take a year off. Um, I, I've got my quarterback, you know, receiver camps. I've been doing that'll kind of scratch the itch. I want to spend some time, more more time around my mother, and my grandkids. I guess the only thing, you know, uh, as, after a year goes by, probably if I ever got back into coaching, I really don't care to be a head coach again. I really don't care to be an offensive coordinator again. I just I want to go coach somebody's quarterbacks. You know, whether that be at the college level or the high school level and you know that's really and so if anybody was ever in need of that you know then then maybe we would do that but other than that we're uh we're gonna spend time with family and uh, elizabeth and i'll uh go do some stuff uh that that we've never been able to do you know and uh, i'm gonna go to uh, clemson this spring go watch kate in in uh in the spring game uh while I'm there, and we'll see Larry Alfwhite and Sandra. We'll play a little golf up, up in North Georgia, and so that'll be fun times. That's awesome. Well, what you've done is truly amazing and uh, worthy of uh, being named the National High School Coach of the Year. Congratulations on that. I know you had Thank your you. retirement uh, banquet the other night, and um, it's it's been an amazing uh, journey and so much fun to watch and so many kids you've touched and helped uh, provide them memories that they'll carry forward and talk about for the rest of their lives. And, uh, you know, I always love talking ball with you and just getting your perspective on things because I just think it's uh, such a great perspective and we really appreciate the time today. Thank you, Chip. I appreciate y'all having me on. Hey, Todd Dodge, ladies okay. and gentlemen. Um, for Todd Dodge, I am Chip Brown. Until next time here on the Flagship Podcast, stay safe and keep the faith.